Siko, I saw you signing something. Did you buy a second house, a bigger house? Is <laughs> yeah. that a pandemic? Still working effect? very hard on paying off the first ones only. But uh, three hundred <laughs> likes. It must be a very big house. <laughs> no, What's I signed about, a contract for actual work. Okay, tell me about it. So in the coming year, I'm going to be working at the Ministry of Science, Education and Culture, OCV, for half of my week. And I'll be part of the Open Science and Public Engagement team and of the Recognition and Award team at the Ministry. So what's your promise? What should we keep you up to at the end of the year? Um, I'm not sure whether I can make you any promise. I'll just try to make the world a little bit better. Is that okay with you? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yes, welcome to the Road to Open Science podcast, your guide to everything open here at Utrecht University and abroad. Today we'll be speaking with Charisma Heyakaya, she's a PhD candidate at UMC Utrecht and one of the leads of the Young Science in Transition movement, where they bring together early career academics on topics related to open science, including recognition and rewards, which will be a major part of the conversation we'll be having later. Yes, but first, uh, what's on the news, Seiko? Well, this is just in. It was mentioned during the uh, year opening of the academic year by our president of the Utrecht University. Is that uh, I think one of the first actual proofs that uh, recognition and rewards is changing at Utrecht University is that the Hoogleraar uh, 1 benoeming, which we call like the being promoted to Professor 1, which is one step up from Professor 2, I've uh, recently learned, is no longer going to be solely dependent on the fact that you are a researcher publishing in high-impact journals and the like, but you're actually going to have to write a narrative CV for it and you can, uh, you're asked to prove that you are a good academic leader in education or research or in professional performance. So it actually is going to broaden up the scope of Professor One uh, hugely as a result of the new recognition and reward vision. Well, I'm curious to know uh, who will assess that. And I'm also curious to know, would this be assessed on the individual basis or in the context of the department? Because if we want to say that we reward team science and we see department as a team, then the promotion of an individual in the system should depend on the needs of the team. Mm -hmm. And you cannot just assess individuals and make decisions based on that. So I'm still very curious on the process. So yeah. I the also proof of the pudding the, is in tasting it. Yeah, the, 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 the process itself has also changed a bit. Uh, I think we'll be able to put the entire rails, rules and regulations in our show notes and listeners can judge for themselves whether they think it's a good development. And you too, uh, suddenly with your critical eye uh, can let 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 it be heard whether you like this new procedure or not but at least we're moving full. into the direction um what else yeah i saw you also publishing a manifesto is a revolution coming Siko? what's oh, happening yeah Oh, that's right. So I think we mentioned earlier on the podcast we, that we wrote a, a white paper about the relationship between open science and education. And this basically has made a large round around colleagues at Utrecht University and beyond of people having new input. And uh, a lot of them said, like, maybe we should actually put this to the international table and have other people discuss the role of, uh, of open education as well. So we made it into a manifesto, which sounds a little bit more uh, uh, pompous i know but it's also to clearly indicate that it's it is largely an opinion and we put it on zenodo which is a preprint server of course and uh, i already i saw that it already has some downloads so i'm really looking forward to the uh, the feedback that we're getting 
Okay. And uh, will it raise your age index? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the first time I actually created an org ID, which I do think is a good way forward to create this uh, uh, online ID for research and related uh, activities because it's uh, not commercial and it uh, the same thing goes for Zenodo. And so it's interoperable with, with all kinds of, uh, of systems. Uh, and for now, there's only one thing attached to it. So my entire ORCID uh, <laughs> livelihood will be depending on this manifest. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, but actually research at edge index on all the metrics has become so uh, mainstream. Everybody is researching that and everybody is coming up with new measures and discussions yeah. on what is meaningful and what is meaningless. Uh, we can, for example, refer to this new article in Chemistry World about the 50 new metrics <laughs> that came <laughs> after the edge index. Oh, and, uh, my dear. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about bean plots? Uh, you must research that. Bean plots? Yeah, yeah. Well, Help me. Let's <laughs> well, it's a recently adopted uh, uh, metric by mm -hmm. the Web of Science, uh, and uh, it's actually a visualization tool. It's multidimensional, so hopefully it would be better than just one number. But yeah, people with data are quite active in this domain as well. Okay. I'll research it and you put something in the show notes, right? Definitely. All right. And then what else happened over summer? Because oh, I think wow. we, we left each other with, uh, I think, the fact that Paul Bosley was interviewed for Nature magazine about dropping the age index and GIF. And then all kinds of stuff happened, right? Yeah, the, the whole hell became loose. And, <laughs> you know, all these uh, opinions uh, poor than us. I think the last week of July was quite busy for the people who followed this discussion. First, there was a letter signed by Dutch prominent scientists saying that, oh, what Utrecht University is doing is totally crazy and it's undermining the scientific quality. Yeah. And they also said that the procedures of NWO were shit and that they were actually not looking <laughs> at the narrative CV and just looking at age indexes uh, on the side. Did you read that? Yeah, that was very funny that I saw that, so I have to give this context, that NVO has decided two years ago they signed the DORA declaration that they are going to ask their committee members not to look at the citation scores. So, and they explicitly forbid the applicants to report those. And I can say by experience that they actually check every proposal that these metrics are not mentioned. But then in the letter, there is an open admission that the colleagues sitting on these committees just <laughs> Google the citation metrics. Yeah. So... I'm asking myself what to make out of this. Yeah, well, it, it reminded me of like jury duty in the United States where you're supposed to be in this hotel room and not have contact with the outside world. And then you're secretly sneaking in this phone to be able to contact the outside world. Because okay. I, as a journalist, I tried... To a lot of people said this to me like on the side of the record and I was always like whoa I was I would be wondering if I could finally catch someone saying it on the record but it was in the opinion piece yes and that was very surprising part of it for me yeah but also they had I think some points they clearly stated an opinion but it was not shared with everyone so the opinion piece mm -hmm. made another opinion piece coming out of it with also uh, 
another series of signature and maybe two I saw open responses being composed. Yeah, and I think one of the most prominent responses to this was the one uh, initially signed by 100 plus uh, early career academics and senior career academics. Uh, later on, it was signed by I think 400, and I think people are still signing this one. Uh, and it became this, this this longer sledge of opinion articles. I think hopefully at one point we'll see the end of it because it uh, it's it's taking up a lot of pixels. But uh, it what I found very interesting is that in the initial letter by the 171, it also made the case like this is bad for early career academics. And the, the fact that early career academics stepped up, wrote a letter saying, well, we'll be the ones to judge. I think that was the most interesting movement in this entire procedure. What about you? Yeah, I think this all calls for a more transparent, open, but also evidence-based conversation. What actually people think and how you can actually weigh these different opinions, sometimes opposing opinions against each other, and how the decision-making organs can you know, make a solid decision based on having different opinions. And maybe, you know, different fields have even different proportions of each opinion or different needs. And I think that was one of the important uh, valid points of the first letter, that different fields are different. So yeah. we should treat them differently. Yeah. And that also brings us to our guest of today. We actually initially invited her earlier because she wrote an opinion article together with Sander Bos of the VU saying early career academics should have a seat at the table discussing recognition and rewards and then this letter we were referring to of the 400 was also co-signed by her. Her name is Charisma Herkai, I introduced her at the top she is a PhD candidate at UMC Utrecht, she will tell a little bit about her research in the interview as well and as you can also uh, notice we were finally able to do this in the studio again and uh, that led to the fact that we got to talking right away so let's just dive into the interview our guest today is Sharizma Hakaya from the University Medical Center at Utrecht University, and she's also part of the Young Science in Transition. Sharizma, thank you for coming to our podcast. Can you tell us briefly what brought you into this movement, especially with the focus on open science? Thank you, Sonny, for the introduction. So let's start with why I'm engaged in a recognition and rewards discussion. So, to my opinion, early career academics should be at the table because usually we are not included in decision-making uh, where the big decisions are made. But at the end of the day, those decisions, our tasks, um, are designed to us. But you are now bringing it to what I see as a part of the open science movement. Uh, if you say that the open science movement is movement for all academics, uh, many people say that, okay, you cannot only fix the logistics of the system, like open access or data and software, but you also need to pay attention to the soft part. And this is the recognition and reward part that you're mentioning, which has become one uh, major part of the open science programs in all the universities, but also in the Netherlands nationally. And that's the part that you're focusing on. And that's what Young Science and Transition focuses on. Am I right? That's uh, right. Uh, so we focus on uh, on uh, open science practices, but that's not, not the only thing we are doing. Uh, but when we talk about open science, of course, we talk about how to share data, but we also talk about public engagement to engage with the broader uh, public uh, than scientists. 
Uh, but we also talk about um, science communication. So uh, to learn from uh, different opinions, but also from different questions. So I think it's about the definition open science. So um, when we related to young science and decision, we as a group are involved in different open science uh, practices. But we are also doing team science projects or uh, career eval evaluation projects. So uh, it's more than open science. Uh, can you tell us how you do this project? Do you sort of beginning of the year say this year we want to do these projects and then start doing those? How, how this goes practice? That's right. That can be a way. So it's really a, a, a natural process. Uh, but it can also be that we talk to the PhD students or the postdocs. So we ask uh, their needs uh, and what their help questions are. And then uh, we will work on it. But Beyond that, we also organize symposia. Uh, you were there last time. Yes. Um, and during those symposia, we invite several speakers. For instance, NWO or, so, or Sosol and Way. And then we discuss uh, something like how do you guys engage with the young scientists? And these are the funding agencies of the Netherlands. Exactly, exactly. And is there a reason that you're called Young Science in Transition? Is there somewhere an old science in transition? <laughs> so we are a group consisting of PhD students, postdocs, assistant professors, and uh, we're from Utrecht, Amsterdam, Delft, but also from Twente. So we really consist of a young group. But also, like in the past, there was also uh, an older science in transition group, and they started this discussion. Yes, so we can refer to that old movement and the position papers. But you focus basically on representing the interests of the young people. And that's what you also communicate with and in invite to your symposia, right? How do you manage to represent the young scientists? And how much of the young scientists do you actually represent? That's a really good question, um, because that's also a challenge we have to deal with. So... Let's start with that we are uh, young academics ourselves and uh, we, we talk to our colleagues, which are also PhD students or post uh, of postdocs. But we also cooperate with uh, Promovendi Network Nederland and PostdocNL. And those are the representatives of the early career academics as well. And at the same time, we also organize working groups and the symposia. And over there, a lot of young academics are visiting us. Oh, you try your best, I understand. Yeah, maybe address the elephant in the room here, because the thing always about representation of early career academics, uh, I've been one, you've been one suddenly, is that when you're in the start of your PhD, uh, and when you're at the height of actually your productive career, I think for a lot of people this goes, uh, it is also simultaneously very difficult to be involved with other shit than just doing your research. So what do you find as solutions to get people involved, get people uh, to come to uh, seminars, etc., to have them actively engaged? Because it's, it's basically not in their short-term interest in general. That's uh, true. And it's also really difficult to, to engage with others which are not really interested or mm -hmm. something in yeah. this topic. But I think that that will stay a challenge. But... Uh, let's say first we have to be uh, enthusiastic about this topic mm -hmm. and um, you have to be open about your own struggles and needs just to share some personal stories. Otherwise, they will not listen to you. Yeah. Um, and that's I think that that's the main message, just, just to be transparent and uh, 
truly engage with each other. Yeah. So don't only talk, 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 but also question your true your true opinion. And that's that, that's really difficult because, like in in real big working groups, it's a bit sensitive, right, to share your personal needs or something. So also uh, beyond the group talks, also the individual talks are really important. Yeah, so, so next up, I think we'll have to come to what actually are the interests of early career academics. But we originally asked you to come on our podcast because you and Sander Bos of the VU wrote an article in Science Guide basically saying, please involve early career academics in this recognitionary board discussion. And then between that uh, and, uh, and right now, the end of August, uh, something else happened. Namely, that a group of they themselves called renowned scientists wrote a letter to Science Guide saying Utrecht University is crazy for doing what they're doing. The same thing goes for NWO. And then, Can I interrupt you? Yeah, let's they do. also mentioned that like those recognition and re- rewards discussion isn't doing well for early career academics. Yes. And that's not true. No, because you and a lot of other uh, early career academics, but also senior academics actually responded within two days. And I was wondering what happened behind the scenes? You must have felt some kind of surge that a lot of other people hooked on, right? Yeah, so in the first place, of course, we already knew that this would happen. Mm -hmm. And then you start discussing like, okay, do we respond? Uh, But then um, when you talk to other people, also from other universities, you see that also other people think in the same way like we do. Yeah. So that's a good start, but it's it was really difficult to to find the right arguments and uh, to write in the correct words because you 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 both know that language and communication um, those are really important. Finding the right words. For me, I still struggle with with finding the right words for, for instance, team science or team spirit. So it was really difficult to find the right arguments and to write, to start writing um, the letter. Uh, Therefore, really heads up to Annemijn Alga and also to Hanneke Hulst. Yeah, she's from the Young Academy, right? Yes. Yeah. So behind the scenes, all the a lot of people were actually writing this 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 response letter and then people hooked on. What what happened there? It must have been a frenzy because there were like a hundred signatures within two days, right? To be honest, it's so difficult to explain because it's it's like a three-day development. Mm-hmm. People are so uh positive. And that's also that gives me the feeling that we have to continue. And I would also like to say that like the first letter, it isn't a bad sign because uh, if you want to have change, there's always a bit of resistance because it's also a cultural change. So it's good that it happens now because it should happen. Uh, so Charisma, one of the things you want to change is uh, for the system to generally appreciate the whole basket of output from an individual researcher, right? Exactly. So for instance, their skills in education, cooperation, the communication. But it's difficult, though to find the real um, appreciation tools. So, but now, why do you think actually engagement of the young scientists or early career researchers in this process, which has a very long history and is also very complicated, actually helps the process? If I put myself in the shoes of the, the managers and the senior academics, they say, you know, we have so much experience and also we know how to deal with it. We know the system. 
let us do it. And also on both sides, also the people, the old science in transition people say that. They say, you know, we know the system, let us fix it for you. Just do your research and focus on that. Why do you think the young should actually be more involved? I think it's a really uh, easy answer, right? I mean, we are the new generation of of the future and um, also like people make the organization. So, and we are also involved And at the same time, like the young, early young academics is a really, uh, it's a really big group. So but you come and go, but the senior academics okay, stay. We don't come and go. <laughs> we will stay. <laughs> but um, I mean, we, we we are with a lot. So you you need us to accelerate the transition. Um, and it's also important that, um, like I mentioned earlier, So usually we are uh, excluded in 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 the decision making and big decisions, but at the end of the day, those talks are assigned to us. But I truly believe that we can we we can also influence those de- those decisions and our job. And that's my experience. And I know I'm lucky with my team, but I truly believe that when we are with a group together, we can do that as well. But there are different ways to think about why you should have representation. So you're basically saying very clear-cut points like we are with many and we are a very big part of the process. I see that. The same thing goes for uh, at least a couple of us will stay around and will also be part of the transition. But I think the meaner way of asking the question that Sunny was asking is what do you know about it? And then I'm interested in what the answer is. Basically, the, the question here is what do you know what is good for you? It's almost a parenting question, oh, Sandy, isn't it? <laughs> can you explain or can you give an example? Because to be honest, I don't understand. Okay. Yeah. I give one example, for example, that the the process of obtaining money for uh for research is very complicated. You have to engage with politicians and you have to engage in the politics of the uh funding system, etc. And it has also With a lot of external factors, things have changed that uh, researchers, which used to be like young, but they have grown in the system as people responsible for bringing resources to the system. And they have to, you know, satisfy conditions for continuity of the lab, right? They, you think about your project, but uh, PI have to think about, you know, 10 projects and the continuity of the projects of the lab, which goes sometimes over much more than four years and all single-handedly has to handle those this is a lot of pressure but also a lot of responsibility that's the part that maybe this pi says that maybe if you just rely on very systematic uh, criteria for evaluation then we will be you know better off at the end as a system this is an argument i can understand because if you mm compare you know qualitative argument then politics spells, uh, plays a lot of role but if you compare quantitative arguments then people who are very good at politics and not very good in science will not get the upper hand when i listened to your story i heard two points so um it's also about evidence so when you want to change something uh, so something big you really have to back it up right uh, but let's start also with uh, so we cooperate also with older older uh, academics um just to just to ask their advice 
but if we um, talk about uh, funding, so this this is really a concrete example, and I'm really proud uh, of this. Um, but uh, we will start a working group with NWO and Sonam Way to talk about how can we make their uh, assessment committees more diverse, but also related to the position of the early career academic. So, of course, we we have to cooperate and communicate our needs and our and our questions, and we have to validate also um, this from the other side. And uh, at the same time, it's really good to have facts, because otherwise it will just be opinions, opinions, and you really have to have evidence. Um, and that's always a difficult one. And uh, we are lucky that we can uh, work with uh, Promovendi Netwerk Nederland and PostdocNL because they are more uh, involved in those uh, surveys. So, um, but that's a really good point. And I just recognize that um, that's a thing. I think that 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 applies for the whole Netherlands that we can cooperate with all young academies, for instance, or the young academy. Um, and I think we, we as young science in transition, uh, we have to start that as well. What I think the real question that Sonny is trying to ask here is, yes, we, we know <laughs> we know that you are many. We know that, you're, yeah, that the early career academics are around the university and they do a lot of work, maybe the most of the work. But then the real question is, how do you know what is good for you? That is the real question here. Yeah, because we also know our needs yes. and our challenges. And I really think that ourselves, we don't know best. Not my supervising team or something. It's just us, and we have to work in the current system so we can say uh, what our struggles, what our uh, ch challenges are. Uh, there's no one better than than we can do. So that's enough, at least for a seat at the table. More than enough, right? But not one seat, like. At least two seats. Oh, <laughs> See, we're bargaining. <laughs> but there is also the, the, the matter of being an international competition. This is often comes. It also was in the letter of the 170 signatures that science is an international, you know, some people even call it a competition, but it's an international endeavor. And to be uh, internationally relevant, you have to also match the international standards. So... Maybe the local needs are not necessarily the highest priority for top quality science. What's your response to that? I fully agree. To be honest, like if I uh, look at myself, like I'm I'm a PhD student, I know the rules uh, in Utrecht also on a more national level. But therefore, it's really necessary to work like uh, with the Utrecht Young Academy, like with more older, uh, more experienced people. Um, and I think really that the national coordinating body, I think they have a really important role in this. And therefore, we really would like to cooperate also with them. You, you mean the national coordinating body of the recognition and reward in the Netherlands? Indeed. That, that's what you're mentioning. But again, back to those scientists, this is their international norms already exist and the citations is the standard. So why not count citations if such a thing exists? And we have, you know, done such a good job in the past 20 years. And Netherlands actually 
brings in more money from international grant organizations than its sort of proportional number of scientists. So we have been successful on it. Why not continue? No, I think um, in the future we, 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 we still have to do both, but not the full part of citations. It's a bit of both because at the end of the day, we also have to measure scientific outcomes. But um, I find this topic really interesting because, to be honest, I don't, I, I don't have the answer either. Well, some people say that these impact factors are actually not good measures at all. And they even bring evidence for it. And this was, I think, something was missing. Maybe SICO knows more about what is a good quantitative measure or a combination of measures. But at the moment, this is the rule of the game. And people who define the game actually are also using these rules. So if you want to change the rules of the game, at some point, you also have to change yeah, people. <laughs> and that's a good point because I notice uh, uh, I, I also face the same challenge. Uh, so to give a concrete example, my PhD is really like an economic and clinical topic. Um, but I'm also from innovation sciences and I really like innovation sciences articles. Uh, but we publish in really different journals than, uh, than my in intended audience, which are clinical experts or uh, physicians. But with my study outcomes, I, I, I really would like to reach uh, my, 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 my target audience. So in, in this case, radiation oncologists. So I uh, will publish, for instance, in the Green Journal, um, or I would like to publish in a more, uh, let's say, I don't know, not a, not a scientific journal. So there will be no uh, impact factor at all. Um, but I like to do that more because I would like to reach the audience. So that's also like a personal struggle I'm facing. Charisma, one of the uh, arguments in that letter of 170 signatures was about science being an international struggle and uh, an international arena. And I think actually a lot of PhDs also agree with that because they take it from their supervisors that they have to compete. Do you agree with that argument? And uh, do you see local activities like in the Utrecht University or Netherlands not being undermining this international position of uh, PhDs at the Utrecht University? No, I think um, it's stupid. Like it's, it's a knockdown uh, argument. Um, you have to start somewhere, right? Uh, we can't do nothing. So, uh, of course, we have to include those international challenges. But we're doing that. It's not that, it's not that we ignore those in, uh, international um, um, factors. So uh, we have to start somewhere and it will be difficult. But to say that we, that we have to do nothing, that's really uh, because of the international uh, position. I think it's really... A knockdown argument. All right. So then, looking looking to the future. Now, say that you get a spot at the table at the national level, at the local level. What is it that the early career academics bring to the table as new insights, arguments, challenges that you think are important? So first of all, um, we have our own voice, so we can talk about the evaluation criteria. So which points uh, are important to us, uh, but also like what do we want in career support? 
Um, do we want to have trainings for within academia, but also outside um, the academic uh, community? Um, but also talk about team science. Uh, what do we see as team science? It's not only cooperation between scientific disciplines, but also between non-scientific disciplines. So, for instance, the industry. So more uh, voice in uh, the uh, in the policy, but also the staffing. Uh, maybe it's a promotion that would be really nice. Um, <laughs> uh, but also, like it's 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 really about our development. Yeah, and so you you put this letter also an opinion piece on Science Guide saying include us early career academics. I saw a tweet of you. I saw somebody of high importance in the net, in the Dutch level, Rianne Letcher, there as well. What did you discuss? So we just discussed um, the role of the national coordinating uh, body, mm -hmm. um, and we discussed um, like their vision of on the role of early career academics. And we agreed that we have to be more involved and that it's a two-side process. So they have to engage us, but we also have to be actively engaging in discussion. Yeah, well, I think after this summer and all the discussions uh, on the web and off the web of early career academics chi chipping in, and we have to conclude that there is at least a, a, a big movement of people who want to be involved. And what is your personal advice to people who want to get involved with the recognitionary awards here at Utrecht and at other universities? What to do? Just start. Just start, wow. But also uh, engage with like-minded people. And you can also talk to us and uh, join us. I mean, uh, we're really open to uh, participation uh, from other cities as well. Uh, and also from other disciplines. Um, yeah, I really encourage that. And how people can reach you? Should they? Do you have a Twitter handle or what's the best way to reach you? Indeed, uh, we have a Twitter account. We are also active on LinkedIn. Um, and soon we also have a website, so that's really good. All right. Well, thank you very much for being here. Thank and you uh, much. we'll probably hear a lot about you in the future. Thank you. <laughs>
by itself a big factor for influencing the early career scientists to express their opinions. Yeah. And yet, despite all these, I really appreciate that the Young Science in Transition has engaged continuously in dialogue and, you know, by col- joining their forces collectively, always initiate dialogue and they co- insist that they would, we would like to have a dialogue and I think they are doing it the right way. Yeah, and and it, it's in this case representation is not only uh, the, we focused on what do you bring to the table in our interview. I realized later on, uh, but representation is not only what you bring to the table. It's also what you tell back to your colleagues and peers. So being on the heights, being in the loop on what is happening in a department on a national level doesn't really matter. It goes for everything. At least being able to. Tell your colleagues, like, this is what's being discussed. This is what's on the table right now is already of very crucial importance. So everybody involving themselves, even if it's in a very, very small, small way, will always be meaningful. So I think that's that's the takeaway I have from this conversation. That uh, And as soon as you start to engage, you realize that these are discussions are about you. Yeah, I really hope that people who listen and participate in this symposium also feel empowered to speak up in their own local environment, in their departments, also with their own direct peers and uh, yeah, be engaged in the conversation and don't sort of wait for the fates to decide exactly. what happens. Yeah. Well, at least now everybody knows you have a podium with us here at the Road to Open Science podcast. I think this was a wonderful start of our new season, Sandy. I agree. And what's the next episode going to be about? Well, we have various guests and I think we are going to discuss a bit about the topic of broken science. Broken science. And with that, I leave it there. Come back to the next episode. All right. See you later. See you later. You've been listening to the Road to Open Science podcast. The Road to Open Science is an initiative from the Utrecht Young Academy and supported by the Open Science Platform at Utrecht University. This episode was edited by me, Lieven Heremans. Please subscribe to the podcast feed to stay up to date.